0: Let me welcome everyone. I'm Tom Kiernan, President of American Rivers. And first, I want to thank you for joining us as we announce America's Most Endangered Rivers of 2021. So I ask you to think about how you need rivers, what rivers mean to you and what they mean to your life. Rivers are essential for everyone, everywhere. I'm Dr. Mustafa Santiago Ali, Vice President of Environmental Justice, Climate and Community Revitalization at the National Wildlife Federation. You know, America's waters are the lifeblood of our nation, and healthy rivers that course through our landscape are essential to support a breath of aquatic life and meet daily human needs. Clean water is a human right. Everyone, no matter who you are or where you live, must have clean water. But Millions in our country don't have access to clean water, safe, affordable water. Rivers across the country have become degraded by years of pollution, flow alterations, wetland destruction, and the cumulative negative impacts of dams. Black and Indigenous, Latinx, and other communities of color across the nation disproportionately feel the impacts. For too long, we've allowed the creation of sacrifice zones burning these communities with injustice on top of injustice. When the health of our rivers suffers, our health suffers. Thank you for being a part of this effort because only with you can we protect America's most endangered rivers.
1: Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of We Are Rivers, where we tell stories and talk issues about the rivers that connect us. I'm Paige Buono, your host. You just heard from Tom Kiernan, who is standing along the banks of the Potomac River, and Mustafa Santiago Ali, both speaking during our April 13th announcement of the country's most endangered rivers. In part, that event was about sounding the alarm, Rivers throughout our country are struggling, and there's so much at stake for the communities who rely on them, which is pretty much all of us. But by the end of my conversation with our guest today, I also understood that the event is equal parts alarm and celebration, and it is without a doubt, a call to action. Amy Kober is the Vice President of Communications for American Rivers and the conductor, if you will, of the Most Endangered Rivers effort and culminating event. So let's dive into my conversation with her. Hi, Amy. Hey, great to be here. It's really great to have you here. And just a few days past the uh, big celebration of Most
2: Endangered Rivers. How are you feeling? It was a really tremendous launch. Um, We've gotten really wonderful feedback about the online uh, announcement event that we we put on with our partners on each of the rivers. We had amazing attendance. Um, We've got Lots and lots of people taking action on the 10 rivers. It's just a reminder of why we do this. It's not this, this spotlight really helps these rivers, giving them the national attention, puts decision makers on notice that this is a top priority. And people across the country are hearing about these critical decisions. And um, that's, that's why we do it every year. And I'm so grateful to all of our local partners who, um, stepped up in such a huge way to make this, this year a, a really great success. And tell me, I mean, it's, you know,
1: for those of us watching the event, it looks so smooth and it's just powerful, but there's a ton of work. Can you talk about sort of what, what the year or however long leading up to this looks like for, for American rivers and for partners?
2: It's a tremendous lift. Um, yeah, this is this is this is for our organization um, really the one big moment every year that we do have this national spotlight. We we receive nominations for the list uh, from groups and individuals around the country through the fall. We we choose the list in January, looking at all of our criteria, and we release the list in April. So. February and March are a full-out sprint. You know, it's worth it. It's a lot of work, but it's really worth it. Can you talk me through a little bit? I've been curious about the history
1: of Most Endangered Rivers.
2: Well, um, I've been at American Rivers for a long time, um, almost about 20, 20 years. And so my my memory of, I think this was the first thing I worked on when I joined American Rivers um, back in the day, we were still renting fax machines, <laughs> to put in the conference room, we had 10 fax machines and we were just furiously faxing press releases to this list of numbers, which it's obviously very different today, how we how we do this, um, but, but even, so we've been doing, American Rivers has been releasing this report for 36 years. Um, and I, I will say that we take this incredibly uh, seriously, this responsibility. When we say that these 10 rivers are the most endangered rivers in the country, that is a bold statement, and we absolutely back that up with the best possible information. Um, we have amazing local partners that are, you know, helping us with the information. I would just say, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a it's an incredible responsibility and an honor to be able to do this work, do this report every year, and help create the positive change we all need to see. Yeah. Is this kind of where the fun part begins, where you get to see the action and and hopefully the change and continued attention? The, the most exciting thing for me is seeing other people run with the story um, and, and other, it, it inspires other people. You see their social media posts. Um, <clears throat> we, we see, in fact, just today I saw um, an editorial from a newspaper in New Mexico about the Pecos River. Um, the editorial board of the newspaper is saying, it's not okay that this river is endangered. And I think the headline was something like, it's only endangered if people don't speak up. Um, there was a story in an Iowa newspaper about the Raccoon River, which is threatened by uh, factory farm pollution. And uh, the, there it was lots of quotes from, I believe it was the Des Moines Waterworks. So again, it's not they're, These aren't environmentalists saying <laughs> protect this river. They're saying, look, this is an economic, public health, clean water issue. Um, so that's fulfilling to us when other people are, are picking this up and running with it. Well, yeah, before we get too much further, you just mentioned the Pecos. Maybe can you run us through the list of this year's top 10? Yes. So yes, the top 10. Um, so the Snake River is number one on the list this year. The Snake River is in the Pacific Northwest, a uh, major tributary to the Columbia River. Salmon in the Snake River are on the brink of extinction. Salmon are these incredible creatures. Um, they are so essential to the ecosystem. They are vital to the culture and identity of Northwest tribes. and. I won't get into the whole thing now, but um, we're, we're calling okay. for solutions on the snake to save the salmon and really invest in the future of this region. Yeah, I want to talk more about it. The second river on the list is the Missouri River, the nation's longest river. Uh, it is one of the most engineered rivers in the world. And on the Missouri River, um, I think if folks, you know you remember some of the news coverage over the past years of the terrible flooding. Climate change is making flooding worse. We've got to improve river management to protect people and property along the Missouri River. Number 3 on the list is the Boundary Waters. So Boundary the Boundary Waters is one of the most popular and accessible wilderness areas in the country. It is beloved by so so many people. This clean water paradise. You can drink the water out of the lake in the Boundary Waters. And yeah, yeah, it's um it's a it's a really special special place and It's threatened by mining pollution, this proposed mine, which just absolutely has no place in this pristine area. Uh, Then we have the South River in Georgia. This is a really um, egregious example of environmental injustice. On the South River, sewage pollution is threatening clean water and public health. And it's, it's really an example of how there are kind of two sets of rules depending on where you live and who you are. And that's just not fair. Everyone deserves clean water uh on the pecos river uh again a really really special river in new mexico threatened by a proposed mine um you know this is another case of yes it threatens the environment fish and wildlife it also threatens natural heritage and and what really defines the state and its culture and identity um and so we're we're working with our partners to make sure that mine does not happen oklahoma's tar creek Uh, Yet another example of environmental injustice, for years on Tar Creek, toxic pollution from a Superfund site has been contaminating the water and threatening public health. So need to clean that up. California's McLeod River is next. This is a case of, uh, there's a proposal to raise the height of Shasta Dam by about 18 feet It would further flood the McLeod River. Obviously, that's bad for the river. It's especially bad for the Winnemum Wintu tribe. This tribe has cared for the river, lived on the river forever. And the tribe has sacred sites along the river that would be underwater if the dam height is raised. So saying no to that, calling on the Biden administration to stop that. The Ipswich River in Massachusetts is Kind of a poster child example of how climate change is stressing clean water, clean water supplies, and how we need to improve water management in an era of climate change. We cannot keep having these excessive diversions. We've got to manage our water in uh, in just a smarter way to make sure that there's enough water and that we have water security for the entire region. Raccoon River. Uh, Pollution from factory factory farms is fouling Iowa's rac- Raccoon River. Um, this is this is some some of these uh, stories on most endangered rivers are just so obviously uh, people can just obviously visualize the problem. Um, the Raccoon River is a drinking water source. You can't have this massive pollution from factory farms in your drinking water source. That's not okay. That's not healthy. And then number 10 on the list, certainly last but not least, is Turkey Creek in Mississippi. And this is a case of very, very bad uh, development proposals threatening the health of the creek. Uh, It could exacerbate pollution and flooding. Um, And again, this is not just about the creek, it's about communities along the creek Uh, particularly some historically Black communities um, that have incredible uh, heritage and history. And once again, uh, this is an example of environmental injustice that we've got to speak up against. As you're going through the
1: list, one of the things I'm struck by is how Um, sort of grassroots the development of this list is. It sounds like you have partners in these local places who are the ones really raising the concern. Um, Can you talk about that a little bit?
2: Absolutely. It's always, we we, we try to put together a really diverse list of that, that really showcases um, the biggest decisions facing rivers. Um, And before I get into the kind of the kind of list, um, maybe just, I can remind people of the criteria we use. Um, So we're looking at the significance of the river to people and nature. We're looking at the magnitude of the threat, particularly in an era of climate change. And then third, there has to be a decision point in the coming year that the public can influence. And this one's really important because lots of rivers are in trouble. Lots of rivers are polluted or in bad shape, but not every river has a key action in the coming year where the public can speak up, decision makers can take notice and we can influence the river's fate. Um, And we have a great track record. I mean, there are so many successes from over the years that rivers that have been listed some, some multiple times in this report and we eventually find, um, we eventually come to the come to the solution because of this consistent, you know, persistent pressure and spotlight. Um, I'm thinking about uh, the Buffalo National River in Arkansas. Uh, this wonderful woman, Lynn Welford, contacted us. Uh, needed help. Uh, her this pristine, clean water paradise was threatened by a factory hog farm. And she, we used the America's Most Endangered River spotlight to just say, it doesn't make sense. Um, and, and, and we won. Um, the river's protected. The hog farm isn't happening there. So examples like that um, are why we keep doing this. I also want to say that, yes, this is the most endangered rivers. It's alarm bells. It's kind of this threat sort of message but this list really is about solutions no river would be on this list unless there was a positive path forward and so sure we're highlighting these you know bad things that could happen or are happening but really what we want to talk about and put the attention on and and put most of our energy into is this solution what are we calling for What, what do decision makers need to do and giving, giving people, the public, us, um, something specific to advocate for. And that's how you save a river. Yeah, it's super
1: inspiring. I was going to ask, you know, it feels both heartbreaking and inspiring. And I think you just touched on why it tips toward inspiring.
2: Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to get overwhelmed, for sure, by the threat, threats facing rivers. I mean, rivers are the most degraded ecosystems on the planet. We consistently see reports and statistics showing that freshwater wildlife, freshwater species are, we're losing them faster than marine or terrestrial species. I mean, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to be concerned about, um, but we have, I mean, the, the good thing about rivers is that we have solutions. Rivers are so resilient. Rivers, uh, maybe unlike any other ecosystem, can be restored relatively quickly. I mean, we've seen it happen. Um, Think about dam removal. When you remove a dam, how quickly the river comes back to life and the banks green up and the fish come back. And so that's what keeps us going. Um, And of course, the incredible work of our local partners and their advocacy and determination. And um, there's a lot to be optimistic about for sure. Well, I think you just mentioned
1: dam removal. And I I definitely want us to spend a bunch of time talking about the snake today. And that's certainly an element of the snake. So, um, you know, and this isn't the first time you and I've talked about the snake. We talked about it a little bit on a recent podcast um, about American River's priorities for the first hundred days of the Biden-Harris administration. And I was struck then, and I'm excited to talk to you about it again, by how um, near and dear to heart the snake is for you.
2: Sure, yes, I mean, I I mentioned I've been at American Rivers for a long time and I've been working on the Snake River for a long time as have so many um, river advocates in the Pacific Northwest. The Snake River would be the biggest river restoration project the world has ever seen. We're talking about something on a really grand scale. We recognize how big this is and how significant this is. And I think for a long time, this discussion of dam removal on the Snake River has been controversial because these dams provide important services. These dams are, yes, their benefits are replaceable and economic studies have shown that, um, but we absolutely recognize that these dams provide services they are part of the economy and the energy mix right now in the region. And we've got to address that. And that's why we believe and, and many others believe, not just American Rivers, that any plan to re- remove the four dams on the lower Snake River to recover salmon has to include investments to replace those benefits, protect jobs, and create economic opportunity. So, maybe backing up a little bit about why the Snake River is number one on the list this year um, Snake River salmon are on the brink of extinction. And this is an existential crisis for the entire region. It is It is unimaginable, unimaginable that salmon, that we would lose these incredible, incredible fish. Snake River salmon used to be 50% of the entire Columbia River Basin's salmon runs, salmon production. That's huge, huge. And you think about what that means for the health of the ecosystem. These fish support 130 other animals across the web of life. Black bears, Southern resident killer whales, their their value to this region is immeasurable, and that's not even counting their value to Northwest tribes, Indigenous people who have have built their culture and identity, their well-being, uh, their their health, their food, everything around salmon. So many tribes in the region are salmon people. They call themselves salmon people. So what does the loss of salmon mean to them?
3: Hello, my name is Jay Julius and I am a member of the Lummi Nation. I'm a fisherman and I come from a long line of fishermen. My family entered into the treaty in 1855 with Governor Stevens at the Point Elliott Treaty. At the time, we were the true sovereign of this state, the true sovereign of this land. And we lived as one with the salmon, with the rivers, with the Salish Sea and all that Exists what we call nature now, uh, we never ever separated ourselves from, and still today we consider ourselves one with. Not only do we have endangered salmon and endangered orcas and their very existence on the on the brink of extinction, you have salmon people who are nearing extinction as as the salmon disappear, as the orcas begin to struggle with with birth, with survival. Uh, we really need those tribal partners because it's their hearts and their existence and their identity that is directly connected to the existence of the rivers, the salmon, and everything within.
2: The good news is that there is a solution on the Snake River and Scientists say we will not re- recover Snake River salmon without the removal of those four lower Snake dams. We will not recover salmon without the removal of those lower Snake dams. So we have a choice to make. We can embrace this future where we restore a free-flowing lower Snake River, restore this habitat so that the salmon can thrive in an era of climate change. Get to that cold high high mountain habitat in Idaho and in the whole Snake River Basin. Uh, we can meet our commitments to Native American tribes. We can invest in jobs and infrastructure and revitalize this region. That's the path we want to see. And the alternative is more costly litigation, salmon go extinct, broken commitments to tribes, higher energy rates because of this ongoing uncertainty, um, and the loss of a multi-billion dollar natural economic resource. The radical, unreasonable, crazy, crazy path is is the status quo. That's the expensive path. That's the path where we're just going to keep bleeding money and losing salmon. And 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 significantly, um, it is a conservative Republican from Idaho, Mike Simpson, who has taken the biggest step towards advancing a solution on the Snake River. He proposed this $33.5 billion package a couple months ago that includes dam removal, includes all of these investments to to replace the benefits of the dams, invest in clean energy and infrastructure, so many, so many positive benefits for the region. Um, He made this really important point as he released this package that we have an opportunity now to fix this, we as a region, to fix this problem on our own terms. Be in control of our destiny because if we don't, someone else is gonna do it to us. Another Congress, another judge, it's gonna be more painful, more expensive, and, and there's gonna be a lot of losers. And so we we while, while Congressman Simpson's proposal isn't perfect, we have concerns about it, but we think it's a great place to start. It's a great place to work from and it's why we're using this number one most endangered river listing on the snake to really amplify this opportunity, both the threat and the opportunity and call on the Northwest congressional delegation to join in this discussion and move a solution forward. And and we're not talking about, let's take 10 years and talk about it. We need action now. These fish are going extinct. Southern resident killer whales are starving. The tribes are suffering because of lack of salmon. This isn't like, sure, we'll, we'll, you know, have another task force to study it. No, we've, we've been doing that for the past 20 years. I, uh, I was
1: struck in the video, you know, and I'm always struck by the way that damn removal footage just moves me. Um, and I'm curious, you know, for you, what that's like and what it's like imagining that happening on the snake.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. So we know dam removal works. We've seen it on rivers nationwide. East coast, west coast, everywhere in between. Big dams, small dams. Rivers come back to life. And watching that happen, the moment that that water breaks free, river breaks free is an incredible thing. Uh, really, the first the first dam removal um, that kind of started this this river restoration movement in the United States was on the Kennebec River in Maine, Edwards Dam, uh, 1999. I think it was. I just started working at American Rivers. Very excited to be there, and I will just never forget that morning. I mean, standing on that riverbank, um, it was a it was a hot morning in July, and the entire community had come out to witness this. This dam was like 200 years old. It, it, it had been a part of, a, of Augusta, Maine's fabric and history for people's you know, ancestors built it. It was sort of just this part of the community, their history and, and a sense of pride and heritage. And so this was really um, a big deal. I mean, yes, there were people excited about the restoration of the river. There were also people who were kind of had mixed feelings Um, but I just remember standing there and watching the backhoe on the other side of the river, start to dig away, um, at the dirt. And, and this was, (laughs) this was before cell phones, I mean, or even like good camera, digital cameras, you know? So, uh, we were, I was standing on a metal folding chair, just trying to, trying to see what was going on. And everyone was just like poised and waiting and watching and all of a sudden, the the this muddy gush of water broke through and at the same time everyone witnessed this together the crowd went wild and started cheering and I just remember getting this shiver up my spine like and it was like this joint and it and I and and, and reflecting on it in the days that followed realizing that it was really the the people like being part of this community Um, and, and that's just a a lesson about how closely tied together rivers and people are. Um, and I've then, you know, I've gotten a chance to see, see dam removals on rivers from the Sandy River in Oregon to the Elwha to the White Salmon. And every time, like it never gets old. I mean, every time it's this really incredible feeling of like, wow. This river's coming back to life. Rivers, and you think about rivers as what they represent. Rivers are life. There's this incredible life force. And um, sure, we need dams. We get it. We we absolutely. We're not calling for the removal of every dam in the country. I think we've made that very clear over many years here at American Rivers. Um, But the fact is, there are a lot of dams that do need to come down, and the. The benefits and the potential for rivers and people and communities is just huge. And nowhere is that bigger than on the Snake River. So yeah, I mean, what what, what will it be like to witness that? Um, I think it'll be incredibly emotional for a lot of people um, who have been working on this for a really long time. You know, we, we have a long way to go. We're not there yet. But, um, the, the hopeful part is that so on, and so on so many rivers, you know, certain things seem impossible. It's just impossible. And then all of a sudden they're possible. I mean, I'm thinking about the Klamath river, like for decades, that was such a huge slog trying to make that river restoration effort happen. And now it's going to happen. Um, so I just, I think that with the right, the right advocacy, the right science and economic information, um, we, we can do this. I think, you know, something you said struck
1: me, you know, early on about the way things currently are on the snake river is sort of what's hard to actually fathom you know, that, that this new proposal, this investment in infrastructure and, you know, salmon and the cultures that rely on them, it makes so much more sense. And I, I guess I'm, um, you know, really curious
2: about that mindset shift. Yeah. I mean, change, change is hard. Change is scary. Change is painful. Um, it, it can, it can be, and I think that that's why we need to really invest in, the region. If we're going to make this big step, we've got to make sure people are okay. That communities aren't just going to be the same, but maybe better off. I also think it has to do with kind of our traditional view. I mean, this isn't just in the Northwest on the Snake River, but maybe everywhere is this sort of traditional view that we've grown up with um, about like environment versus economy or um, you, you, <sighs> progress equals dam building right like that's sort of the myth um, infrastructure like when we think about infrastructure investment what comes to mind are you, do you think of a healthy free flowing river cuz that's infrastructure that's infrastructure that is sustainable reliable cost effective infrastructure for clean water supply, ecosystem services, flood protection, right? But people don't necessarily think that way. They think, oh, dams, levees, like these sort of hard traditional projects. One thing we try to do at American Rivers is get people to see the value of free flowing healthy rivers, um, not just for the environment, even though that's really important, but for the economy, for public safety, for business. Um, And I I think we've had a ton of success with that, and I think other people are are thinking that, starting to think that way too.
1: Amy, earlier we heard from Jay Julius with Illumination. Are there other voices on the Snake River that you think help to bring home the challenges and the opportunity there?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm thinking about um, Alyssa Macy, um, who's a um, member of the Confederated Tribes of Warm Springs and the CEO of Washington Environmental Council. And something she said, well, a couple of things she said really stuck with me, why don't you talk about being brave? We need to be brave in our
4: leadership and our advocacy. And I think that's, I think, I think we do. It's Tukti Wigwa, my name is Alyssa Macy and I'm the CEO of Washington Environmental Council. I am a citizen of the Confederated Tribes of Warm Springs, Oregon. My mother is from the Southwest, Dine and Hopi and my father's people are from also known as the Columbia River. I was proudly raised on the Warm Springs Indian Reservation in Central Oregon. We need to set aside our differences and work together to find the solution, to find the path forward, to take care of our relative, the salmon. Um, That is how we not only take care of the salmon, but we take care of one another. We are connected to them in ways that we may not even know yet, but they are integral and important to tribal nations and to the entire region. I hope um, that we will move this forward uh, quickly, that we will continue to have conversations about what needs to be done, and that we will be brave in our leadership and our advocacy on this issue. I hope that you stand with us.
1: What are the solutions on, you know, the snake that that our listeners should be um, paying attention to and engaging with
2: over the next year and probably beyond? Because these are federal dams, this will take congressional action, and so the way people can help is to speak up um, to their member of Congress and urge them to to engage on this issue. Well, I Amy, mean, congratulations on another
1: year of most endangered rivers, and um, can you know, congratulations. Um, to, to everyone on the successes that have come previously. And I think it's a great charge to set forth. And I think Alyssa's words are definitely going to resonate and ring with all of us about being brave.
2: Well, thank you. It's, it's you know, the, the work the work continues. Um, this is a year round campaign. So we're going to keep fighting with these partners for these rivers um, and people can, can learn more and help out at americanrivers.org slash most endangered rivers.
1: Thank you for joining us today on We Are Rivers. If you're moved by Amy and Jay and Alyssa, and I suspect that you are, certainly I am, don't let that motivation fade. Learn more about the rivers around you, reach out to your representatives, share this podcast, spend time on the rivers you love and spend time fighting for their future. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we hope you'll take a minute to rate and comment and share it with your networks. If you have ideas, reach out to us. We're listening and we look forward to next time.